Hello. Do you want to play a game? The Scene on Screen podcast presents Three Men and a Meeple. Are you interested in playing games that don't appear on a screen? Well, that's why we're here. Join David, Sean, and Owen while they talk about all things tabletop. Now pass the dice, because our next turn starts now. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Intro Man. Welcome to another exciting episode of Three Men and a Meeple, where we have the aforementioned Sean, myself, David. Me, that's me. And our good pal, Owen. And that's me. Hello. Gentlemen, how the heck are you? It's a beautiful week. I mean, it's rained most it's of been, it. So. It's been raining all week. No, but you know I was going to say I like it's a it. I like beautiful week for board games. This yeah, is, it is this is what board games were built for. And the only thing better is just like a snowy day in the winter when you want to stay inside like nice and warm. But yeah, rainy days are perfect for board games. Yeah. So let's get right to it then, shall we? First off, what have you guys played over the last week? I'm I'm dying to know, or I guess two weeks. Yeah, it's been a bit. I've been playing some Eclipse online. It's been pretty great. And in person, uh, trying to get some games in in person, and it's been awesome. Any uh, TI to report? Uh, I did play a game of TI, and I did terribly. It was just awful. And it was like me sitting at a computer losing for eight hours. It was it was a bad scene. Yeah. Just a quick question. Could you not just be like, lost connection, sorry. Uh- that no, that's not sportsmanlike. If I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna play. If I'm gonna commit, I'm not gonna be like, sorry guys, I'm out. Like, I'm I'm in it. If I'm gonna like commit to a game like that, you got to sit all the way through it because you know you might come back. You might in a, a game like TI, it's not so much about winning; it's about the experience you have at the table. It's almost it's like about an, the ride. It's an, like an emotional thing. Like you get to witness like betrayals and alliances. And big swings where someone might move their fleet into an unexpected place and like have this big battle. So it's it, you're, it's technically like labeled a space opera, and it very much plays to that, where it's very emotional and you, you see a lot of really cool stuff on the table. So like even though you're not winning, you might watch somebody else just play an insane game. So by by saying it's uh like you you can move people into an area and have a big battle or an unexpected battle is it kind of like civilization it is it's it's um no <laughs> well no it so the way i like to think of it is kind of like risk meets catan where you're trading and you're doing political maneuvering while you're also building fleets of ships and ground forces and like positioning them around the board and you just trying- managed to make twilight imperium sound like the worst game ever and not only that, you made it sound exactly <laughs> like Civilization. Exactly. It, it, it's a Civilization game. It's a political game. It's a you know backstabbing game. It's great. I love it. Yeah. I'm uh, disappointed in you, Owen. You shouldn't be. Because you forgot that we played Dawn of the Zeds. Oh, we did. It's been a yeah, while. You okay. s- you we also it- played Fort. Yeah. No, you build forts, guys. No, no. We played play Fort. Fort. No, we played uh, Dawn of the Zeds third edition finally caught that to the table again i've uh we tried to say save what is it farmingdale is it that's yeah. not the name of the I, city i like we should make up a better name for that i think city. it's farmingdale but uh yeah we uh came pretty close to winning actually it was like down to the last round oh yeah and then we got and then, this huge push of zombies that just overran our defenses oh. and unfortunately owen did not have a very good role a few times and yeah it was a the bad funny time. thing is like the beginner game is designed so that you don't have to worry about healing your your characters so if you die you can you roll and if you got a one two or three they're dead dead if you get a four five or six they go back at half city. health to the city center uh owen just kept rolling like ones and twos so all of his characters kept dying yeah uh, bad luck but uh i i ended up picking that one up on tabletop simulator i know like there was a uh a a community mod, a workshop mod for that one, but I bought the official mod of that. It's a little more refined, um, so we'll have to definitely play that one. Nice. Uh, sometime with uh, Sean, you there? You might like that one. Interesting. Um, but you guys, I, I, you guys forgot the most important game you played, but okay. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also it's recently, so uh, recently got the big box for Terraforming Mars. 
Nice. Which is uh, super exciting. It's my first big box yeah, collection that, that I have. So great. I just have all it, the small boxes. In this it's so game. well designed. Like everything fits there perfectly. Um, so I did a unboxing video for that. So that's going to be up on our YouTube channel in the uh, coming days, sometime this week. Oh, exciting. Um, so, so, oh, and I got a new camera. So that's going to be on our YouTube channel in all glorious 4K. So you can see all the fine details of the 3D tiles and everything. Beautiful. You know, yeah, so, you have a 4K display, it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> I've decided that because now all of my expansions and the base game is in this big box. I have. I, I, I don't want to throw these boxes out. So I've decided I'm going to actually turn them into artwork. Oh, that's I a good idea. I might find some uh, frames that I can, like I'm just going to cut like the, the box. So it's just the cover. Um, and I'm going to try and make some sort of uh, collage or just put them individually in frames and stuff like that. Cause those box covers cool. are kind of nice. So yeah. You should 3D print your frames. I could do that. I have all the separate <laughs> boxes for uh, terraforming Mars and, uh, yeah, we've gotten rid of all the, the smaller boxes that we could and put everything we could into the main mm-hmm. one box, and it's all jammed in there. But I yeah. really want to get the big box, but I can't justify having two copies of Terraforming Mars. Well, you, you can just buy the big box itself, and it just it comes empty, right? Like, oh, I guess. It comes just with the, uh, with the 3D tiles, and then you put your own games in there. That's what it is. But it's I like love an the, awful uh, lot of work. Yeah. I love the board for the new terraforming Mars. It looks great. Oh yeah. Uh, but what, what are we going to talk about today? Oh yeah. Kickstarter. Uh, not the game Sean played, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. no, we're going to, we're just going to blow past that. I don't want to talk about it. Well, you don't want to show. talk about it because it's your fault. I won. I'm two and oh now yeah. I'm officially retired from Lords of the Waterdeep. No, all, be, all because Owen decided to be super nice and yeah, not drop I don't get a it. card at, at the very I, end. I'm too I don't nice. understand I, if you no, would have forced me into doing that, I, I would have lost by like five. Would have a, little, lost. a little, a little background. Um, we were playing Lords of Waterdeep. Sean and I were really close at the end, and I had you kept you no, know, you kept helping him throughout the entirety no, of the I, game. No, he didn't. You, you kept no, giving him shit. No, I yeah, didn't. you did. No, if it, I, it, it was Brittany <laughs> that kept letting me yeah, survive was, and get away with whatever I wanted. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, so we're at the very no, I'm just the same gonna, person. I'm just gonna tell this. No, it's not, <laughs> you jerk. Uh, I'm gonna tell the story. So at the very end of the game, we're really close. I have some entry cards. I have three entry cards. Two of them are uh if I played them, it would force Sean to do that specific quest, which was like, you know, one fighter, one cleric, and one mage, or some something like that. And I could have done that. And it would have screwed him over and he wouldn't be able to, to score his last points. But I didn't. I played some card because I was just goofing around being like, oh, he'll never catch up. He'll never finish his stuff. Yeah. And then he finished three quests yeah. in a row. Yeah. I could have. I, I could have think... stopped it, but I didn't. All right. All I don't right. think you were paying attention to the fact that I just kept putting people in the harbor. I was like, yeah, I'll just end the game with like two extra turns. No big deal. Yeah. I think I was just I just wasn't. Because I didn't think you would be able to, but then I wasn't paying attention to the fact that yeah. you did have stuff in the harbor. And I was just like, oh, just play this and it'll be a fun, fun little thing. That was not a good game for me. I started off with like such a bad Lord to begin with. It completely oh, yeah, ruined my Lord. it ruined my entire game, essentially, because my end game points were based off of the number of, of buildings I owned, not quest stuff. So yeah, anyways, we're going to we're going to do a showcase episode about Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, yeah. in the, the coming weeks because that game is uh, so much fun it's super easy to learn um, but we have uh, we have a good show for today that we do. Has, not- has nothing to do with Lords of Waterdeep we are going to talk about the beast that is Kickstarter and crowdfunding yep. and FOMO fear of missing out oh, um, so Kickstarter and crowdfunding has been a big player in the creation and distribution of modern board games over the last i don't know what what do you what do you say like oh god it's six or seven years at least like that's i'd say probably since 2015 that's when it really started to pick up and more and more every year there's more and more uh tabletop 
uh, games on Kickstarter. It's such a and great platform for that. It is. Um, but also, everything that is good does have its bad. <laughs> right? So Kickstarter is not always what it's uh, chalked up to be. And we're going to talk talk about that. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know what Kickstarter is, if you've been living under a rock for the last uh, decade. I don't think that's necessarily fair, but <laughs> go on. What are you talking about? You yeah. you could be aware of something, but never use the yes, platform. Right. But, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Kickstarter, you've so heard of Kickstarter, yeah, right? Really. So people who don't know what Kickstarter is... It is a, a global crowdfunding platform. So crowdfunding, it's essentially, a, you know, in the olden days when someone had an idea and they wanted to start a business or create a product, they would go to the bank and get a loan or they would go to, uh, I don't know, maybe a conference and talk about and get investors, right? People to give them money in return for either, well, like think of like Shark Tank or uh, Dragon's Den. You know, you they have this idea to give you my money. And I, yes, and I will create a product. And in the olden days, the ye olden days, you know, the, the investor would get a portion of the sales back. But for Kickstarter and these other crowdfunding s- systems, the people, the general public that are backing, that are investing their money into this product, they are their return is that product that they are investing in, whether it be a board game, a video game, um, a kitchen gadget, like literally anything. Uh, There's so much stuff on Kickstarter. Uh, But one of the largest and fastest growing um, categories is uh, board games, right? Uh, So Kickstarter is a global crowdfunding platform focused on creativity and merchandising and it launched in April 28, 2009. So it's uh what is that? 12 years old. Pretty Maybe. old. Right? Yeah. So it's still quite a quite a baby, but uh what for technology it's ancient. Yeah, but uh it's it's I'd say it's only started growing very quickly or in the last like 5 or 6 years, right? Yeah. It, it works, um, so. Yeah. So Kickstarter offers a way for anyone with an idea to raise money in order to make it a reality. Kickstarter gets approximately five percent of the total funds raised, so that's how they make their money. So on a campaign that makes you know ten million dollars, that's quite a bit of money that goes to Kickstarter. Yep, that's a good chunk. Just of change. just for hosting it, right? Um. So the first big game that was uh, funded on Kickstarter. Like there's a lot of smaller ones, but the first game that broke records was back in February of 2015, a little known game called exploding kittens. Uh, Uh, You might've seen this game in Indigo chapters, your calendar club, pretty much any board game store has it. You could probably find it at the, uh, (laughs) at like a, convenience store i don't know it's Uh, very popular yeah uh that game became one of the most backed projects of all time this this number is astounding Two hundred nineteen thousand three hundred and eighty two thousand backers that is nuts yeah that's a huge number uh the it doubled do you remember reading rainbow yep with lavar yeah, yeah, with LeVar Burton. So he did a uh, campaign to kind of bring that back, which was at the time one of the highest uh, backed campaigns, and they had just over 100,000 backers. Uh, so this this doubled that. Um, and Exploring Kitten raised over $8.7 million, which was, which was insane at the time, right? Like that was the most... And it, this is just like a card game, right? Like it's, uh, I guess akin to be considered like a Russian roulette game. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's probably the best way to put it. But I think a lot of its success has to do with the website it came from. Like, Oh yeah. Let's not pretend that exploding kittens was just this idea. And people were like, Oh, that's a cool concept for a game. Like sorry or trouble. Like it was backed by one of the greatest websites in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah so for anyone that doesn't know, it was the oatmeal. Uh, known for like their kind of raunchy, you know, humor. They didn't really give AF about political correctness and stuff like that, right? So kind of like we're uh, similar to Cards Against Humanity. You know, like they banked a lot of their humor is banked off of things that are pushing like the political correctness, all that PC stuff, right? So anyway, so uh, that was like the first big Kickstarter game, tabletop game. And since then, it's just grown exponentially. Uh, but we want to discuss a few things like how has Kickstarter changed the tabletop hobby and has it made it a good or a bad thing? Um, because before Kickstarter, as many of us know, um, in order to get a board game made, it would have to be made from one of like the few major publishing companies like uh, Milton Bradley Hasbro. That's crazy. Right. So, but those companies generally they make they make safe games right like they have you have all your monopolies you have your story scrabbles clue all that stuff but then they have this other games that are like the party games you know the 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 games that you would pull out every once in a while you get it for christmas or something play it a few times few times but then the novelty wears off like they're just cheap games so a lot of these games that are coming out on kickstarter are games that would otherwise not be funded from these these companies because they're too ambitious you know like there's one nice good thing about kickstarter is that it it shows how much interest there is in a particular particular game or genre right so with kickstarter a company or a designer can put something on there and if it gets funded well they know that you know 50,000 people are interested in their game so they can in the future for reprints and stuff like that, they could get investments from other companies if they want or go back to Kickstarter. Uh, but I'm, I want to ask you guys, like, how do you feel about Kickstarter in general? And how has, in your opinion, how has it changed the tabletop hobby? And maybe not necessarily the tabletop hobby. Like it does like Kickstarter is also like, there's a lot of video games and stuff like that, that have come up on there as well. And I know that the show's, primarily about board games but kickstarters uh, and crowdfunding is a is a huge market but games in general how has it affected uh the, the market uh yeah so i personally am not a huge fan of kickstarter as a consumer as a developer i can see how kickstarter is an amazing tool to like you know um, gauge interest in a product so just say i'm a new developer i got a team that's like working on a board game we got a good concept we got art and we have enough to like make a kickstarter and throw all that content up there and be like hey we got this great new game we got these ideas we got these mechanics watch this little video and people can start viewing that and then we can start getting enough funding to actually make it a reality in that way i think it's an amazing tool for 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 new talent to get into the market as consumer i'm i'm a little hesitant to like back stuff um yeah i i feel kind of the same way the only thing for me is and like david hit it earlier is because my background is a little bit more video game techie i've jumped on a few different like indie games that have been looking for backing and while you don't always get the physical um gratification of picking up something that you've like earned from a Kickstarter because they're giving you like a digital code or like a small little artwork book. I've done that. I've also bought a few tools off of Kickstarter, just like really cool kind of, I guess like, like gadgets. Yeah. Um, I got this one thing years ago for my brother who was a plumber. Uh, it was like a, a hammer that also had like a second claw, a grip, a smash bar. Like it had, it was like a four in one tool, but it was for uh, more efficiently um, deconstructing walls, essentially. And Kickstarter is a great community for that because you kind of get to see um, like the, a lot of people, including with board games, will like post videos of how their production is going. Mm -hmm. um, some of the changes that they've made. We were looking at a Kickstarter before the show started about uh, a modular table and all the changes and 
the 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 mods that it already had and i thought i think it's really cool like i think i've made three total purchases and i've invested in a few other things that have been returned since so and by return i mean like did not get funded or got canceled by the producer yeah um let's see how many have i (laughs) kickstarter is kind of bad it's like it's a rabbit hole for sure um because this is it's all marketing and i can yeah i'll admit you know sometimes i've fallen for some of these marketing gimmicks you you know (laughs) a little bit a little bit um the the thing is okay like my first very first thing that i've ever backed on kickstarter was uh, cthulhu death may die and you know what i'm very happy about that uh it's a great game and it was a very it was a fun the, the community in that kickstarter was was great um but since then i've i don't know probably maybe like 50 oh, oh wow. 40 46 projects oh. um, but that's not all that's not all board game stuff you know some of it was uh technology stuff um some video games and stuff like that but uh m- primarily my f- my main thing is uh board games because some of these games i know that either they're not going to go to retail or the the price in retail is is going to be substantially more than you won't, you won't get those clear extras yeah that's a so i've over the past year or so i have learned to not worry so much about throwing all my money towards this uh to the point where i back at like the minimum amount and then i can decide later on if i want to actually actually uh purchase or or complete my pledge right like up it to the to a level where i'm going to get something um and it's actually kind of smart smart to do it that way just because you're you're not you're forced not, yeah. to you're you're not committed to it right like i can give a dollar yeah you do the minimum and, amount and then when it comes time to be like all right we're ready we're we're, we're taking those last things you can be like okay do yeah. i you know can i do it or do well and, and that's the thing like there's one game that uh finished back in april um called transmissions and it's a cute little game with robots that are i don't know you're um expanding this like little garden type thing and with 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 i don't even know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i I don't really know how to explain this because it's it's a very unique game um but i pledged one dollar like the game itself was 40 bucks which isn't too bad um it had some pretty decent components. The artwork was really nice. It comes with like some cute little like robot miniatures and, and whatnot. Uh, but it was one of those things that I was interested in the game, but not enough to actually commit fully to it. Uh, so I put the $1 down, which got me access to the pledge manager. Um, and then I have since then decided that, you know what? I'm going to skip on this. Because ultimately it's like, Am I going to play this maybe once or twice? Do I really need this? Probably not. But I think uh, a lot of this, the problems with uh, some of these Kickstarters is that they're marketing and they are, are obviously they want people to pledge for the higher tiers, right? Like, so a lot of times they'll have different bundles where you get the base game or you get the base game and the expansion or you get all of these other add-ons, right? And they want people to pledge for those higher tiers so that they, that they get that money, so that they get funded. But that can lead to problems later on, especially if games that games run into production problems um, where they might not necessarily actually get funded. And this has happened in the past where where companies have gotten their money and then they just kind of disappear and they don't hear anything. And that's the problem with Kickstarter. That is probably like uh fundamentally the biggest issue with kickstarter and crowdfunding because they are designed so that it's very easy to set up an account and back something right but you're not buying a product no, um, you're, you're buying a chance to get a product <laughs> correct you're buying you a are, dream. you're investing in a company you are an investor and that is the that has been a big issue over the last few years with Kickstarter. You get these people that, um, 
invest or or back a Kickstarter and it's like their first one. So they think that they're buying a game and every Kickstarter, they have an estimated fulfillment date. So let's say uh, Frosthaven, for example, which was one of the uh, was the newest game by Isaac Childs, Child, Childress, Childress, <laughs> Childress. Uh, he created Gloomhaven. Um, so that one finished a little while ago and the estimated delivery for the game was uh, March 2021. Well, we're in July now, and they just announced that fulfillment for that game is not going to be until early next year, which a lot of people who have are, are Kickstarter veterans know and understand that these dates are just... Yeah, they're very they're kind of dates. pulled out of someone's ass, right? Like, yeah, it's like you can, yeah, like nobody. I think anybody who is a, a Kickstarter veteran expects to get their game on time. Like, it's not. Right? It never happens. I would say out of the last dozen that I've backed, I have received two on time. Still, that's a pretty. That's pretty. Which is <laughs> which is very very good. Well, um, Kickstarter has gone under fire in the past with. Things that that are not necessarily board games, but um, with a guaranteed production pledge from companies. And what uh, I I don't know if you remember reading it on that thing that you and I both invested in, David. I know I since canceled it. The Laser Pecker. They oh, had, yeah, I canceled that. I yeah, we both can't. <laughs> we both canceled it's, our. Uh, it's a laser that. God's uh, <laughs> thing is, it has nothing to do with a pecker. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's a laser that it's a handheld etching tool that you can actually okay. like safely edge on like curved metal and stuff. Okay, However, okay. the one thing that I found incredibly interesting about that Kickstarter, and that was one of the reasons why I did the minimum pledge, was they had a, once we hit this percentage, production will begin guarantee. And that to me was a reason to put down money. Ultimately, mm-hmm. once we found out what the actual cost would be in Canadian, I pulled my my investment out mm-hmm. and it was well after it got funded. It was an incredibly quickly funded uh, tool, if I remember correctly. Yeah, very quickly. But having that guarantee for games, for tools, for anything really in that matter would make Kickstarter a little bit more uh, viable, I, I think, in my opinion. Like if so you got a pro- game like that. Yeah, the problem with having a guarantee like that is that unless they've already started production, then they're, they're not able to guarantee it because if, if it doesn't actually fund, right, then nobody's actually being charged anything. Uh, I remember reading some articles and some comments on, on Reddit from people, designers who've run campaigns. Well, they can set a, a funding goal of say $30,000, but the actual costs are, to produce a game is 60,000. So why do they set their goal so low? Well, that's because they want a game to be funded. A game is more likely to exceed exponentially their goal if they have a low goal, right? Because more people are willing to invest money into a campaign that has already been funded when they're doing it. Right? Like when they're when they're browsing. But when you can't necessarily guarantee that something is going to be made unless it's already been in production um now certain things like that uh that laser etcher very well could have started production like that was a company that has a track record of uh, i think that was their second version right so that they've already made one before so they kind of have a history um so it's very likely that they had already started production on that. And so then the Kickstarter was just uh, to gauge more interest and and get some additional funds. But for board games, there's so much more involved in the production um, that it's yeah. very difficult to guarantee that a game is going to be funded. And majority, if not all of these games are made in China. So there's even more difficult like there's it's there's more uh hurdles that they have to go through to get games produced like either miniatures produced or back and forth for uh printing of components and uh just like everything needs to be sent overseas to wherever their their headquarters are so that they can confirm that everything looks good and then it's a very back and forth process 
Um, There's also situations where uh, some of the printing goes bad. Like I know for Nemesis uh, Lockdown, the newest one that's coming out, which I backed, they do production updates and they'll send out emails and and post pictures and stuff. And I guess uh, one like they've got a massive shipment of the boards. And they found that when you like unfolded it, it was actually peeling, like the actual like um, surface was peeling off as you're opening it. So they had to like pretty much trash that whole shipment, go back to the printer and be like, we need new boards. So like, that's a huge delay. Which is like something that you could definitely 100% appreciate. It's just, I don't know, for me, when I, when I'm investing in these things, I want a little bit more than a, a wish or a guarantee. I, I do feel personally that Kickstarter should go back to the fundamental where it's like, hey, you should gauge interest first once your interest is there or like a petition-based service and then you can get funded opposed to just being like, hey, I want $30,000. And then when you get your $30,000 and you still don't produce, you just make everybody look like monkeys. That's not well, good either. And and kind of to go back to what I was saying earlier about people who have will back their first campaign and assume that they are purchasing a product. I have read so many comments of people that are saying like, I want my, I want a refund. You know, you said that this would be delivered in March of 2020. Well, I haven't got the game yet. And then there's so many other comments. People are like, you know, you know what? The game is not in production yet, or there's been delays or maybe you should read the updates, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there was something that I backed uh, last year, or actually two years. I think we're coming up on two years now. Uh, not a board game. It is a uh, the equivalent of like a, an espresso or a, a Keurig machine, but for tea. Uh, it's called Brew. And I backed this because it was a very interesting thing. Uh, I know I could make tea with boiling water and putting in a cup, but this was a, a cool, a cool piece of technology that I thought was really interesting and worth investing in. So this this uh, campaign, people had invested in it, and the estimated delivery was April of 2020. Well, we're now in July of 2021. Uh, they have been very transparent in their updates about their production. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic put a big like halt on a lot of things for board games, technology, a lot of stuff worldwide, right? So this company has been very transparent in what they were doing. They took the downtime to redesign their machine to add upgrades. Um, and now, you know, over a year later, they are, uh, like one of their recent updates, they finally uh, ordered their injection molds. So the molds that they use to create the plastic housing and everything. So there's so many people like I have seen so many people that have posted things like I want to refund. Like this is taking too long. I haven't got my thing yet. And it's like, this is a problem with Kickstarter. And I've noticed that recently when you go to a new uh, or a live campaign, there is a big banner now on the the top of the page. And I this is what it says. Kickstarter connects creators with backers to fund projects. Rewards aren't guaranteed, but creators must regularly update backers. You're only charged if the project meets its funding goal by the campaign deadline. So... This is a nice change that they finally added. So if someone's like reading through a campaign like, and they they ignore this part where it says rewards aren't guaranteed, you know, they're still going to be all pissy if, you know, a year goes by and they still haven't received their game. But yeah, for the longest time, that wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was only within the last month or so that I, I seen that banner there. I, and I think it a needs lot of complaints about it. Well, that's the thing is, and there's people that will contact their bank account or their, their credit card company and do chargebacks and stuff like that. It, it's a problem with this whole crowdfunding thing because it it is so accessible, but it's also so easy for people to be, I, I, I don't want to say manipulated because that's not correct, but I guess uh, it's so easy for people to misunderstand what they're doing. It's called influenced. <laughs> they get yeah. bamboozled. Um, 
I don't I don't know. Like Kickstarter is great, but there's also a lot of problems with it. Like just quality quality of life stuff. Um, that there's some alternatives that are coming out too. Yeah. So well, I just sorry, I got a I got one here. I'm just looking at it now for Super Dungeon Legends. This is a game by Soda Pop Miniatures. They make they've made a few other games in this series called Super Dungeon Explorer. And that game is really cool. It's a really great game. And they made this Kickstarter and what was the campaign? It's so estimated delivery date, December 2016. They haven't delivered anything to their backers. Anything. And like I've been following this campaign. Every once in a while, I'll read the comments, and it's just people raging at this company because they won't do refunds either. Yeah, and and there are, and that's another thing, right? Like you don't know how trustworthy these companies are. If I'm going to back something from a company, I'm going to look at their history on Kickstarter. If they have other campaigns that they've successfully completed, you can read the comments of those, and uh, if people still haven't received their stuff and then that's also a good indicator of how likely they're going to going to fulfill their uh, their current campaign. Um, there there's a few companies that are like that. One of which that is notorious, and a lot of people will uh, kind of talk bad about and uh, recommend to stay clear is Golden Bell Studios. In a nutshell. They have had so many financial issues with some of their games that they are essentially holding their one of their most recent comp, uh, games hostage and not sending them to to backers unless they pay an additional forty dollars, which is kind of that's kind of bullshit. Um, I recently got an update from one company um, that, due to rising shipping costs worldwide. They are actually short money <laughs> to ship these products to people, so that they they posted a request saying, you know, we we're asking for an additional fifteen dollars for shipping for everyone. This is enough to cover everything. And uh, in the update, and we kind of discussed this before the show. I'm okay with that. Um, is it is it right for a company to? ask for more money after they've successfully got funding. It depends. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> like they, they said, this is how much it costs. That should be what it costs. They shouldn't be able to come back and be like, oh yeah, like we didn't estimate this cost, you know. Well, and I guess because Kickstarters, they last years, right? So if you back mm-hmm. something and yeah, like if three years later, the cost of shipping goes up, that's an issue, but they, I don't know, like they should account for that. Well, so here's the thing is it's almost impossible to account for something like that though. Yeah. yeah right. Like, like the pandemic's very tough to account for. Yeah. And well, if you know, we it, remember it should... what happened in the Suez canal a few yeah. months ago, yeah. you know, all it takes is one big ship to shut down an entire, uh, a major shipping lane and it affects worldwide distribution of products in general. Yeah. yeah 100%. Um, so they're asking for an additional $15 per person just for shipping, which they, without going into too much detail of this, this update, cause this is a long, long update that they gave. They broke down all of their financials, how much money Kickstarter took from their campaign, how much money they set aside for certain production stuff, what they had. And, and this company, they had uh, luckily come with, like come to agreements with some of their manufacturers for a set price of stuff, which if they were to do it now, the the cost would have increased probably like 10, 15%. But the problem is, is shipping costs have now increased because of a pandemic that has been going on for over a year now. And the way that they are, the way that they're dealing with it, I think is, is good. Whereas you get companies like golden bell studios, that are literally just like, oh, we don't have enough money. We mismanage this. We need more money. Otherwise, you guys aren't getting your shit. Uh, that's not a way to handle any Kickstarters. That, that's what yeah, makes that's... people. That's what makes the, the platform bad. Yeah. On the side of like reputation, like you said, you said you picked up Call of Cthulhu on Kickstarter, correct? Yes. 
are you aware that Call of Cthulhu Classic is currently being funded right now, which is a big box game? It's at 1,893% funded. And the Kickstarter with 12 days to go, if you want that big box classic from the 1980s, is currently funded at $471,159,000. That's of the original pledge of $24,000 Canadian. And it's only been backed by 3,400 people. That's insanity. Yeah, it's wild. So yeah. it, like based off what David said right there, reputation, reputation, reputation. People mm-hmm. love this game. And now that David knows about this, he's going to go buy the big box. He's going to store it at my place. I'm going to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So to kind of like touch on some of these, it's like some of the highest funded games on Kickstarter. Um, We've already mentioned the first game that was ever the highest funded. That was Exploding Exploding Kittens. Kittens. But that is the third highest funded game of all time. The, the, The game, the number one funding game of all time on Kickstarter is currently Frosthaven, which is the sequel to Gloomhaven. That raised over twelve million, almost thirteen million dollars U.S. dollars. Um, Frosty. The second highest funded game on Kickstarter is Kingdom Death Monster One Point Five. So it's kind of like a second printing of Kingdom Death Monster. Oh, that's which a crazy is, game. That game made uh, that funding game or that funding was just over twelve million dollars U.S. and that was in twenty twenty. Uh, Exploding Kittens was the third highest game with uh, $8.7 million in 2015. And then the fourth highest funded game was Dark Souls, the board game, with $4.6 million in 2017. That one's super interesting. It's supposed to be like insane. It's just like the the video game. It's supposed to be like insanely hard. (laughs) And and it's it's funny because... uh, you know, board games or video games made into other media generally don't do very well. Um, but I've noticed over the last few years that there is a increase in video games being turned into board games. So Dark Souls was one of the first ones. There's been Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 3 was done. Uh, the Witcher was made into a board game. Fallout insanely uh, popular. Fallout, yeah. Like, there's a ton of board games that were made, or sorry, video games that have been made into board games, um, which I think a lot of them also are going on to Kickstarter because, again, companies like Hasbro, Asmodee, um, Milton Bradley, they're not going to be funding these games necessarily. You Uh, almost got every game, too. There's a list of 10 games that are super successful. Frosthaven was another one I remember. Um. Yeah, so you hit it. It was or not not Frosthaven. Um, there was a, it was like a a fairly new video game that took place in uh, a winter oh. wonderland type thing. Do you want the list? <laughs> yeah, real quick. Yeah. Oh, Frost. Uh, is it? Um. Oh God, I know what you're talking about. Too. While you're thinking, think it. it's Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, Street Fighter, the deck building game, Witcher, or the Witcher adventure game, Portal, the uncooperative cake acquisition game which sounds fun by the title. Uh, this War of Mine, the board game. XCOM, the board game. Resident Evil 2, the board game. Fallout, Doom, the board game. And to no surprise, because of the style of game, Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn. Frostpunk. Frostpunk, thank you. That's it. <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. See, that's called there. vamping, so you don't hear the keys of the Google. Ah, I see. Yeah, so... Uh, that's like a a, a big, a, I think a new thing is uh, board games or video games turning into board games. But I want to touch real quickly on um, Gloomhaven just to kind of show how uh, Kickstarter can really influence the board game market. So for anyone who doesn't know what Gloomhaven is, it is a epic dungeon crawling RPG that spans what? It's like 100 campaign yeah, missions 100, 100 mission campaign the box weighs like 25 pounds there's so much content in it so that was originally released in on kickstarter back in what 2015 i think it was 2016 yeah something like that something like that uh the first edition raised just over three hundred thousand dollars with just under five thousand backers um this game 
has been the number one game on Board Game Geek since its release. It's crazy. It's like it had nuts. the longest run. It's crazy. Um, the second edition when they released it with had which had some minor changes uh, to like the uh, a few quality of life changes such as uh, HP and MP tracking um, and just stuff like that. They improved the design, like some of the graphics. Yeah, uh, that game, that edition raised just under four million U.S. dollars. But the most interesting thing is that the number of backers increased to over 40,000. We went from 4,000 to 40,000 because the game was so successful. It was, when you think about it, the first edition was no different than any other campaign on Kickstarter, right? Like the 4,000 backers seems to go to be an average for a new game. But then the second edition was over 40,000 backers. So, uh, and for the longest time, it was very difficult to find. Um, and then the th- sequel to this game, Frosthaven, just uh, was on a campaign last year. Uh, and that is the highest grossing tabletop game on Kickstarter with 12.9 million US dollars and the number of backers doubled that of the second edition of Gloomhaven with over 80 million or 80,000 sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to check out Frosthaven. But like did Gloomhaven you, Did you back it or I didn't back it cuz I hate backing games on Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I put uh, I put $1 down just so that I could get access to like the updates and I like to see how the game has uh, been developed and stuff like yeah, that. I'll just wait for retail. I don't I don't really mind. And you know what? That's the thing is like, uh, you can now easily buy Gloomhaven for under a hundred bucks if it goes on sale. Yeah. Uh, so Frosthaven will be the same way, but, uh, I think Gloomhaven is a prime example of a, a game, an idea that would definitely not have been funded or manufactured by, uh, any like big, yeah. Mainline distributor or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. you could, like, even if like they pitched it and it didn't get picked up, you know, they can self fund. They can be like, okay, nobody wants to help us make this. We'll just make it ourselves. Yeah. Also, um, like, I want to say like board game geek is a huge reason why that game is so popular. Like I remember when they were first on Kickstarter, a big thing was people were saying like, Oh, just even though you haven't played it yet, give it a five star or like give it like the highest rating you can on board mm-hmm. game geek to push it to number one, to give it that, uh, that visibility, I think that's a huge reason why the second edition sold so well is because people were like pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and it got such a big hype around it. Well, even on like Reddit and stuff like that, most times, most conversations on like the board game subreddit, you know, you can someone will mention Gloomhaven. It is a great game. It, it's right? great. It is huge. I have not even come close to finishing it. Uh, Britt and I have played through maybe about 20 missions. Each mission takes an hour to two hours and you're looking at a hundred of them. Like it's an investment. Yeah. And I, would, I, I would be I surprised own the game. if anybody has actually finished it. <laughs> I own the game. I've played it once. We should, uh, the, you know, we should have a little adventure as on TTS. We should, uh, record some, uh, some Gloomhaven. That'd yeah. Maybe we should do that. Get Sean in on that. I, I feel so lost. The, my experience with Gloomhaven is you buying it. I wasn't even no no I got Angela to uh to buy it. <laughs> no, yeah. it was, I was with oh, you. you. No, that up. was Jaws of the Line. That's uh that was like a it's kind like of spin-off. It's like a version. spin-off mini version that was more accessible. Yeah. Like Gloomhaven was that massive box you kept like looking at and you're like, oh should I buy it? No. Should I buy it? No. Is that the of course one? Of you should. Of course you should. <sighs> I I don't know. Uh you've been exposed now. Yeah. Anyways, so, uh Yeah, so, I, like so oh, I yeah. wanna say like so with Kickstarter, I know like I'm when I'm looking at stuff, I'm like, okay, like I see this awesome game, like just say like, cause I was looking at say like Eclipse Second Dawn of the Galaxy and it's like, wow, like all these extras, you get the, the, the base game and like all these extras once they get, everything gets fully funded and I'm looking at the prices and I'm thinking like, wow, like whatever it is, say $400 for like the, the full package and you get all this great stuff. And then you got to sit and you got to wait, you know, two years, three years before you get it. Uh, I like, 
I just, I don't like that feeling for me. I like being like, Hey, do you want to go to a board game store and like, just see what they got? And you browse mm-hmm. around and you get that experience of like looking at the backs and being like, Oh, this looks cool. Let's get this buying it, taking it home, unwrapping it. Like I just, I don't like that. Like, Oh, I just, well, I, I guess you don't do this. You give them the buck and then you wait, but I'm just like, I, I'm not ready to just throw my money at it and and wait there's there's been a few games where it, recently that um i've backed like the full thing because i've decided like, that you oh, know what i'm like 100 percent down for getting it yeah uh, but for the most part i've started doing the one dollar option just so that it gives me more time to really think about it because yeah like yeah. you're you're essentially if you think if if the company is going to actually successfully fulfill the reward you're essentially pre-ordering something, yeah. right? Um, and like, I know some people don't don't like pre-order. Like, I know, and that's the thing is board games like they they can get pretty expensive. Um, but I think this this is a perfect segue into our next topic is FOMO, fear of missing out. A lot of these companies, in order to entice people to back them for that higher tier, like to to put in that. 100 200 almost like 300 dollars sometimes for some of these uh, games is that they add all of these extras that you can only get if you back the kickstarter campaign oh, yeah. um and i've cool had many are, yeah cool many or not like simon uh they are notorious for this every single one of their kickstarter campaigns always has tons of extra miniatures and content that is Kickstarter exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, I first experienced this on my very first Kickstarter campaign, which was Cthulhu Death May Die. Um, I ended up getting the base game and the season two expansion and a whole bunch of other stuff that was included because I I have the complete edition, except for like the giant Cthulhu, because I didn't want to pay for that. Oh, God, Um, huge. It was massive. and I have a ton of stuff, but the thing is, is with that, because a lot of that stuff was Kickstarter exclusive, it has increased the price of that game on the secondhand market. Oh yeah. And I like that. That's the same with, um, seventh continent by serious pulp. So I caught that game, caught my attention immediately. It looked amazing. I was very like at the time I didn't know a lot about Kickstarter and I was very hesitant about backing and everything. Cause I really didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, you know, I wanted to back it so bad. But again, at the time, I wasn't sure about the cost because it was very expensive. And all of a sudden, it was gone. The Kickstarter had closed and I missed my opportunity. And I was kicking myself about it because I wanted to play this game so badly. I was not going to go to retail. They pretty much said that right in their like blurb. And then I started seeing copies pop up on Kijiji for a thousand dollars and i was like this is ridiculous and yeah it just felt so bad that i wasn't Uh going to be able to get a chance to play this game i think it's kind of like uh a a sleazy tactic um because literally it's it's banking on people's emotions but that's that's a, a standard for all types of advertising and you you want to create the emphasis of buy now, not buy later. Mm-hmm. Look at the other industry that we often talk about on the other, uh, like on scene on screen, when you're focused on a video game, especially with like E3 that just happened. How many times do you see a game come out where you're like, pre-order the regular game, or you could pre-order the limited edition, super edition that gets mm-hmm. you not in-game content, but like that physical stuff. There is that pay to win stuff. Mm-hmm. But you get that physical. And when you look at Kickstarter campaigns like this, sure, like the extra carrying case, the extra figurines, the extra this, the extra that, you're not really playing to people's emotions. You're just creating a buy now by saying mm-hmm. this is a limited time. I, like, I don't think that's super emotional. I think that's just intelligent. Well, it, it's smart from a, the company's perspective, right? Because what's happening is, yes, they are creating this sense of, oh my God, I have to buy this right now. I have to give them money for this. Otherwise, I'm not going to get it. A lot of campaigns do uh, a similar tactic where they say, if you back within the first 
48 hours or 72 hours, you get this add-on for free. Otherwise, it's like a $10 add-on. So it's like those little incentives that uh, a lot of the times will get people to back at a higher tier than they normally would. Um, to to kind of touch on the video game world, because I've noticed that uh, one company in particular has started to do this, um, where they have created some sort of artificial uh, limitedness of some other stuff, and that's Nintendo. And they did this recently with the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection for the Nintendo Switch, where they were literally only producing it and selling it for, what was it, like a year? 364 days until 310 the following year. Right. So they created this uh, sense of urgency for people to go out and get it. People were buying these games and then selling them on secondhand market for, you know, three, four times the amount that they were worth because they are banking on people's emotions. Nintendo probably made so much money off of people buying that game just because they said it was limited. They did the same thing with the game and watch collection that they had, you know, and the thing is, is you can still go into stores and buy these games, even though Nintendo stopped making them. That's because people, some people like your previous employer were dumb and ordered (laughs) far more copies than were necessary because they're like, Oh my God, they're going to sell off the shelves. Well, that's the thing. It's like, but so this is kind of going into other industries. And I think, People need to be aware of the fact that, okay, you know what? Just because you can't get that individual miniature in this game, is that really worth you parting with, you know, $100 right now, right this minute? Because, uh, and I've done this, I've started to think about, okay, well, is it worth getting that extra piece of plastic to <sighs> sit and, and part with, you know, 100 bucks now? for something that I'm not going to get for two years. Um, and sometimes it's like, okay, you know, I like some of the stuff is pretty cool, but other things is there. There's a game that I backed. I think it was like 2018. It was so long ago. And they just are at the point where uh, they are starting to ship out the games to people like people in the United States have, are sort of getting them people in Europe, Canada, for some reason is always forgotten in like the very last, because we're so far away from the United States that, it, you know, uh, but they've already started their campaign for the second edition. Oh, that's a, that's terrible. Ugh. And it's and a little it's, bit of a bummer. It's, yeah. it really has turned me off from backing that company again, because I haven't even gotten my copy of the first edition and they've already released or have a campaign for the second edition with another expansion um, and they're like, oh, yeah, if, if you want it, like if you're a backer of the first one, you can back it for like a su- significant discount. But it's like, I don't even know how this game plays to yeah. to justify backing you for this one. Um, and I didn't back to get like, I, I just got the base game, which I thought was interesting. And for a while, it's like, oh, should I back the expansion? Should I add that on there? Because it was a f- pretty cheap price. I have since then just kind of decided that, you know what, I don't need that extra stuff. So for me, I I'm a completionist. I like, I will rec, I recognize that, that I'm like, if I see a game and it has expansions, I'm going to buy the expansions. Like I might, it might be a game that I never even really play that much. And I see an expansion. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to get the expansion. When I see a Kickstarter and it has everything. And like, and I, just back the the base game i know later down the road when i get the game i'm gonna be like oh where's all this expansion stuff I like i wish i had it mm-hmm. i just got eclipse second dawn of the galaxy the second edition of eclipse i bought it retail and i was looking it up on board game geek and somebody posted the uh retail edition what you get in the retail edition versus the kickstarter and the kickstarter had a bunch of stuff like a bunch of extra tiles and content and I'm like mm-hmm. this cool round tracker. And guess what? None of that stuff is in re- like retail. It might come later, but it'll be maybe a few years down the road. They'll be like, start releasing those, but I don't have that. And now I'm like, man, I wish I had that. It's going to bug me. <laughs> See, and, and that's the thing. That's a mentality that you kind of have to overcome, right? Um, I purchased a little while ago, a game called court of the dead and it was a Kickstarter. I got the, the base game, the retail v- edition for, a pretty significant discount. Uh, 
Uh, but when I compared what was included in the retail edition to the Kickstarter one, the quality of the components were very were a lot better in the Kickstarter edition, but the price was just over double. So when I look at that, it's like, okay, you know what? I've saved a significant amount of money, and do I really need those extra components, those those add-ons? No, because the game is fundamentally the same. Um, I think the idea is like these campaigns that are running, like if you were backing Eclipse Second Edition on Kickstarter you would have been more if you were on the fence because it's in your personality to want a complete edition of a game, you would be more inclined to back at the, the full price. Right. And that's especially like $300 if $300 or more, yeah. right? Like, and, and if I can back a game for $1 just to get access to the pledge manager, as long as I still have the option to change the pledge to whatever tier I want and get all the same things that other people would have, right? Then I'm okay with that. But when they make it so that, oh, you can only get these add-ons if you back at this tier, or you can only get these add-ons for free if you back within the first uh, like X number of hours, that's where it becomes problematic. And I think that is fundamentally what is a big problem with Kickstarter. Yeah. I actually, I read an article recently talking about Nemesis and how um, Kickstarter is kind of ruining the expansion market. So Nemesis, like the Kickstarter for that was huge. You you know, you could get the base game and they had all these like um, extra boxes that had different aliens and different kind of campaigns and stuff. And when you receive that, when you receive the base game and say three huge expansions and then like a post game expansion where like it's almost like a campaign that you play afterwards and like all these art books and different things, it's almost too much. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's like who's ever going to sit down and unpack all of that and play it right away when like usually in a normal situation where it was just like say FFG or something like that, they release a game. Then a year later, they release an expansion. Then a year later, they release an expansion. And you have time to kind of process all that content instead of it having jammed all in your face all at once. Well, a good example of uh, a company that I think does it right is Starling Games and Everdell. Uh, So Everdell, you you guys remember that game, right? Oh, love that game. Also undefeated. Oh, we played play once. That. We, gotta play we played that. once. You know what? Why do you think I stop playing lose. games after I've won a few times? Yeah, because you're a sore loser. That's why. A sore winner. <laughs> um, I did not gloat at all, Owen. You can calm down. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. So Everdell, uh, that game has uh, five or six expansions. They have released the game. Uh, they they released the base game that came out, and then. If, a year or two later, they released an expansion and they, they do the um, Kickstarter campaigns for the expansions. They can be purchased at retail, but generally if you, if you back it on Kickstarter, you get like a deluxe edition with some extra stuff. But also what I've noticed is that you could still buy those deluxe edition items in retail. So it's they, they you don't have to worry about missing out on something. You can always get that stuff at retail later. It might cost you a little more. That's like the main thing about backing their stuff on Kickstarter is you get a slight discount. Um, but I've noticed with them is that they release an expansion for their game every like year, maybe it seems. I think they have finally finished with Everdell and their expansions. They just finished a, a, a campaign for two uh, their last two expansions for the game. Um, but with the amount of time that goes in between releasing their, their expansions is it gives players enough time to one, get the game and two play it and really enjoy it. And then if they get kind of tired of that, they can then expand their game by backing another expansion. And I think that's like the best way to do it. When, when companies have like cool mini or not, does it where they have their base game and then they have season two already in there, right? Uh, and then they have all these other add-ons, all these other expansions and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, like when you get everything in there, it's it's awesome. Opening up that box and you have all of this content that you're going to, you can open up, look at, punching boards. is like, it, it's, a, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. 
but ultimately are you going to play it all yeah and that's right yeah that's the thing um though like with nemesis they did they did just recently start selling all those expansions separately for retail but at the time fomo you don't know right you're like oh man like if i don't back all in am i gonna miss out like and that that i just i don't like that about kickstarter that mm-hmm. you, there is that potential like with serious pulp like with seventh continent if i don't buy this now will i ever get it and like it, it that just really irks me mm-hmm. yeah and when you look at it that way too you're you sometimes look at those those kickstarter categories where it's like well if you back with a 90 dollars pledge which is the full game you'll also get a second copy of the game type of thing but there's only like a hundred of those right and they want to sell those out super super fast knowing that they make the game for like 30 bucks or whatever they're still making money so i i think i think that's where i can really appreciate both sides of your arguments being like okay well like David's very into that. I'm going to pay the minimum so I have a chance and I have a choice. But I'm also not going to be super upset if the first two Kickstarter options aren't available, right? Yeah, like, and, and that's the thing is it, it pretty much just allows me to take an extra few months to really think about whether or not I want the game or whatever product it might be. And if it's going to be enough, like, or if, if I can afford it, right. Because a lot of times these campaigns will last for two weeks or a month. And it's not really like they keep releasing new things on there to entice you to back. And they're very good at doing this Yeah, they are. where they keep releasing new stuff every day. Like a new, a new add on is out there a new or unlock. Yeah. A new unlock thing. Right. So it comes down to that last few minutes where you're like, Oh shit. Like I have to decide right now if I want to back this or not. Uh, but if you back at the lowest tier where you have access to that pledge manager, a lot of times it gives you, you know, like at least at least three or four months to make your decision, to work out your finances and determine whether or not you can afford to uh, to actually get that game. Excuse and me, a lot sir. of times if you get it through the pledge manager, you still get all of those Kickstarter exclusives because you're still purchasing it. You're still backing it through that platform. So. I'm going to ask you a question right now, and you have two full weeks to think about it. Just like all of you listeners. Okay. Now that you've bought all these games, how in the hell are you going to protect them? That's the question that we are going to (laughs) uncover and dig up on the next episode of three men and a meeple. For now though, we want to, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, As always, it's wonderful to have you and seeing the comments on our Instagram. It's great. Find us on your favorite podcatcher. Find Owen, our good friend here at Axel. It's Axel's and Ales, right? Or Axel's Axis. And Ales. It's like it's like Axis and Allies, but with like Ales. So, so you, know, you, we'll... you could follow him on Instagram separately, or you can follow myself and David at the Scene on Screen podcast. For myself, David. That's me. And our good pal <laughs> Owen. And me too. We want to thank you all again for listening and we'll see you on a next on our next episode of Table Talk. And that's not our show anymore. It's seen <laughs> it's three men and a meeple. I should three really change the cue yeah, out. Three men and a meeple. Oh, yeah.